Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Ahenor Limon, who recently joined us for a webinar to present recent research using pioneering methods developed in his lab, including reactivation and microtransplantation of synaptic receptors from frozen human brain samples into Xenopus oocytes to evaluate the relationship between synaptic activity and behavioral abnormalities across post-mortem intervals and brain banks. Let's get right into it. So Akinor, aside from GABA and AMPA receptors, what other kinds of receptors can you measure with this methodology? Hi, uh, thank you for the question. So the, we can measure NMDF receptors, voltage-gated calcium channels, and it depends also on the abundance of the receptor that you are interested. Chloride receptor, sorry, chloride uh, channels have been uh, transplanted, chloride transporters have been transplanted, and it, what is important is the is that the in the the, the oocyte they don't so the receptor that you're interested in is not present in the in the synopus oocyte and if there is then you need to knock it knock it down or uh, block it so it doesn't interfere with your receptors. Nicotinic receptors when they are very abundant, for example, for, from uh, torpedo fishes or other uh, structures like that, can be can be uh, transplanted. Metabotropic ones, it's a, it's a tricky one because. Metabotropics will depend, uh, the response of the metabotropic receptor will depend on the cellular type that, that is. So in this case, the cell is an xenopus oocyte that will produce some uh, uh, interpretation that may vary. And also the xenopus oocyte only has the IP3 system. So the AMP cyclic is, is not going to be viable to work here. However, if for the IP3 system, if you want to see some of the coupling, it seems to be working well with metabotropic glutamate receptors. Yeah, those are the mostly the ones. And but there are many receptors that have been actually there are groups that are very successful transplanting sodium channels and also potassium channels. But sodium channels have been transplanted and also even from different tissues. Insects for uh, pesticides is a very nice group working on that. The cell cultures. I think the important part is that you can extend the work that you are doing. Let's say that you have cell cultures because I was looking at people that have cell cultures or animal models. So you can have the cell culture, and if you're finished with your experiments, then you can recover the cells, freeze them, and then isolate synaptosomes from your cells to record the whole, the, the global and average population that you have there. Fantastic. Great answer. This question came near the start of your presentation when you were talking about the microtransplantation. But Akhidor, how do you ensure that the receptors are integrated in the right direction inside out and not on the uh, not with the outside to the oocyte inside, or is it just by chance that you activate only the correctly inserted ones? Yes, that's uh, that's absolutely correct. So by, when you we are doing the, the sonication, we are breaking up these proto-liposomes. So how they're going to seal up again is going to be a little bit by chance. So the, some of the receptors can be, some of the proto-liposomes can be sealed again with the inside out or the outside in, depending. So when we inject them, all of them are going to have the same probability to, to, to fuse with the membrane. So, because the ones that are with the agonist side in the wrong direction, meaning inside the cell, they are not going to be activated when we put the agonist out from, out from the outside. So that's basically it. The, the chance of fusion, people, uh, Antonio Morales, he did some experiments a long time ago with a torpedo and other uh, nicotinic. So he found that the chance is around 50-50. And he did that by using titration and then uh, very demanding experiments to see that. 
So we are just uh, relying on the, uh, that we are uh, recording only the ones that are correctly inserted by using uh, extracellular perfusion. Another possibility will be to do by layers, for example, so you can control both sides, but we are just measuring the ones that are correctly in the, correctly in the membrane. Fantastic. All right, here's uh, an interesting question. So the incidence of Alzheimer's disease is different between women and men, and estrogen mm -hmm. treatment may protect against Alzheimer's disease in aging women. This person also says that estrogen upregulates AMPA-R, induces dendritic spites, etc. So uh, do you know, how does the endocrine milieu figure in your interpretation of these results? Well, yes, this is a very important question. So we are not getting to that part yet. And that's why I think it's important to now use the, the integration with other data sets, like uh, transcriptomic, proteomics that contain that information. Our question right now is very straightforward, just trying to measure the excitation in inhibition. And the reason is that regardless of what is happening, that is multifactorial here. So we have many, many homeostatic. We have the, patholo the pathology and etiology, and we have the homeostasis changes. And the ultimate outcome of this, at least on the synapses, is, that, is the relationship between the AMPA and the GABA responses. So right now we are only measuring those amplitudes. We are not even going into the, the different kinetics. And we've seen that the correlation between those is very, very strong. So actually to see the excitation to inhibition ratio changes, we need to be very careful with them. With the, well, That's why we use the slices. So we don't know that part yet, but we know that we can, uh, for example, if there are compensatory changes that are from the, from the hormones, that are changing the accessory proteins, then we can we can use proteomics to measure it. And also we can test, for example, if we have the this the GABA receptors, particular as, as you said, particularly are sensitive to the to the hormones of extra estradiol and others. So we, if there are compensatory changes that they have lower sensitization, for example, we can test directly the estradiol on these GABA receptors to see if there are changes to on the response to that. We may I don't know, but I'm just speculating that in, in a person that has the response of estradiol of GABA receptors in not, not one person that is controlled or of male or female might, or might be a little bit different compared uh, when we tested compared to someone that has a large concentration of estradiol, for example, and may show some desensitization. So all those questions are just new to, uh, because we, to us at least with the native receptor. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.